0: and all right it says uh i think it says we're live jab but i can't tell if we are or not can uh can someone verify that it were like actually live right now that would be nice uh yeah it
1: probably to... needs to a few seconds for it to go through and probably it looks like the stream is starting there we go
0: oh yeah live now awesome hey guys uh and uh welcome to question and answer uh, episode 15 i'm your host c.s joseph we also have jab our amazing co-host uh mm-hmm. tell the audience how you're doing jab
1: <laughs> oh, i'm doing uh okay um let's just say i bit my tongue so i sound a little bit different but please don't hold it against me
0: yeah yeah i i said i said uh to him that he needs to bite his tongue because he was getting pretty sassy and he actually did it literally uh-huh. yeah <laughs>
1: Well, this is what happens when you do what you got to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I got Keep my, hustle. my military haircut because it will all grow back in like a week. So I right. I get it shaved on the side as much as I can because I know it just comes back like straight up. There's really not much I could, I could do about that. So let's get this little, little closer if we can.
1: Well, yeah. I'm doing what I got to do so you can do what you got to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're doing, a uh, question and answer tonight, this is episode 15, doing something, uh, a little bit different, um, although the microphone's a little in the way to see, but, uh, yeah, we got, uh, we have a new format tonight, we're doing, a uh, platinum, and then Patreon priority, super chats, YouTube and Discord, uh, Discord technically has higher priority than, uh, YouTube, so we're going to be, uh answering uh, your questions uh, for a long while here and uh, hopefully uh, We'll be able to get through that pretty relatively easy and uh, Just so you guys know um, from a (coughs) patreon standpoint we just launched it and uh, Wow that flicker is crazy Maybe it's something to do with that uh, candle in the background there
1: Just put out the candle. We
0: just launched it, yeah. And uh, wow, gotta love that uh, feedback or hearing myself and whatnot. Uh, please mute all the people. I'd appreciate it. Uh, anyway, uh, that being said, so we launched Patreon. Great, and through we have these two tiers that impact our Q and A session, which is awesome. And uh, I think. Hopefully the power does not run out here because some of the lights are flickering because it's got a huge rainstorm I'm in the middle of right now. Um, But uh, be that as it may, uh, be that as it may, uh, basically if you're a patron and you're a platinum level and you ask a question, your question gets moved immediately to first in line, basically. And uh, then we have priority questions. So if you're a patron and I don't remember which tier it is specifically, if you could like enlighten me on that one, Jab or Nova, I'd appreciate it. I think
1: Cardi silver.
0: It might be Silver. Uh, I think it is Silver. If you're so Silver tier, I believe on uh, Patreon, if you ask a question, uh, well, then we'll we'll will answer your question. And I think we actually have the question feed uh, right here on uh, the uh, on the show for you to actually under the Patreon Q and A uh, overlay, which is cool. Yes, yeah, so we're using overlays now and like trying to be like more professional and stuff. So uh, then obviously the YouTube Super Chats, uh, which uh, we're going to be keeping track of, and I think we've probably already gotten one, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, so with that in mind, I think we're gonna get to our first question now, which comes from uh, one of our uh, Platinum uh, patrons now. So, yeah. let's see here, if I could You're show You gonna put everyone. up the picture? Yep, I'm gonna put up the picture, awesome. So, uh, Periani, uh, one of our more prominent members of the CSJ community, uh, produced this, uh, diagram for us, uh, to check out. And, uh, basically his question is, if the above is true, is the bottom also true? And I really like this diagram, um, so let's, let's kind of go through at the top. So um, when, uh, when led by the hero, it's the ego. Uh, it has optimism, greater FPS, etc. And then you have hero, child, uh, parent. And then he has something called the anima. Now the anima, also known as the animus, is basically what people refer to as the inferior function, right? I just don't really use that terminology very much. Uh, the reason why is because the subconscious itself Maintains a male or female uh, kind of, uh, like it has its own, it's the opposing gender of the ego basically. So if your ego is male and you're a male person, that means you have a female subconscious, right? So I'm an ENTP ego, but I have an ISFJ woman as my subconscious, basically. My knight in shining armor is basically like a woman in armor with a big sword, and then she takes her armor off and then becomes like this rogue with daggers and stuff and uses poisons and is like an assassin. It's kind of cool. We could like totally make an MMO about this stuff. Maybe we will someday. I have no idea. (laughs) But, (laughs) be that as it may, that's kind of how the anima works. That's where the terminology anima actually comes from, etc. Uh, so with that uh, being said, we have the shadow is the unconscious it's led by the nemesis uh, and the uh, the reverse shadow is led by the demon. Yes, that's correct. So I do agree with uh, Periani's, uh diagram here at the very top. So yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely what I would say yes if this is true, yes that is true. Uh, I maintain that. Now is the bottom true? So we're looking at the same thing basically. Except differently is trying to find out, you know, hey, is it led by this? The only thing I disagree with is by because it's essentially attaching the different archetypes of hero parent, child inferior to each of the four sides of the mind basically now uh, calling the, uh, the the Demon fourth side of the mind or the superfluous ego as we could see it right in there I'm trying to read it because it's a little difficult for me to read Um I wouldn't exactly call the superfluous ego itself uh, like the anima animus itself because the terminology anima animus is actually applied specifically to the subconscious to show or demonstrate that opposing gender. However, given the spirit with which this diagram was written, I actually do agree with uh, Periani uh, with his diagram, absolutely. Uh, and I like how he has a you know source of happiness. It's kind of like an optimistic child. Absolutely. It's just the terminology that's attached to the four sides of the mind, I don't necessarily agree with, and I would have to research it a little bit more. Um, But uh, if this is true, he says at the bottom, then we can apply our knowledge of the Jungian archetypes to not just the individual functions, but to the whole personality types. Yes, yes we can. Uh, Because there's actually a whole lot more levels. I mean, even the hero function itself or any of the functions has like four components each And you kind of have to look at it like, um, um, actually, um, someone else I was talking to, an INTJ woman, I think, and she's like, oh, it just weaves around like a double helix. You know, like, yeah, that's exactly what it does. It's kind of like a a genome, basically, uh, for the human soul. And that's basically how this entire system uh, happens, right? So, uh, excellent question uh, by one of our uh, Platinum patrons. Jab, do you want anything you'd like to add uh, uh, to this?
1: Mmm, not really. I mean, I think you covered everything you needed to say. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think, I think the, uh, the bottom line is here, is that what we could take away from this diagram specifically, is that uh, Periani's making the argument that while we have hero, parent, child, inferior, or anima, uh, for, or anima slash animus for our top four cognitive functions within the personality of the ego itself, Why can't we attach those archetype (laughs) attitudes to each of the four sides of the mind? You can. The answer is yes, you can. Just let's use different terms uh, to describe those interactions because it's not exactly all the way because of the conflict involving the anima animus applied to the subconscious being that opposing gender. But then again, like, it's also been interesting to see whether or not the superfluous ego has an opposing gender. There isn't very much research on that. So I'm not entirely sure how that would work. Um, uh, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have yet to see on that a little bit more. I think that would be an excellent discussion to have maybe with, um, uh, uh, you know, John Beebe actually. Uh, I think, uh, if we could actually uh, figure that out, um, or at least some of those who have worked with John BB Dr. John Beebe. I, that would be an excellent discussion for sure. So, I'm going to put this thing away and there we go. And okay. All
1: right. Next question. We have the comes uh, from
0: we have the Patreon Q&A one, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. Okay. Next question comes from Byte in the Patreon Q&A and she asks, "How should an INFJ break the ice with an INFP?"
0: Or with an NFP, okay. Sorry, so yes, NFP. Basically, I would say, wow, the light is flickering in here like crazy. Hopefully, we don't lose power. That would be really embarrassing. Uh, okay, so based on that, uh, how do you break the ice? It's really when it comes to an NFP or an NFJ, regardless of your gender, it's the NFJ's responsibility to basically initiate the relationship. It's their responsibility to break the ice because they're the introverted intuitive. NI users have the responsibility of initiation regardless of whatever gender they are because some people typically believe men should be initiating with women. That's not necessarily true. If you're an NJ and you're initiating with an NP or if you're trying to have a relationship with an NP man, if you're an NJ, regardless if you're male or female, it's your responsibility to really initiate the relationship. That's just how it works in intuitive land. When, it, when it's SP versus uh, SJ, it's SPs who should be initiating with uh, SJs by and large. Uh, and that's typically how uh, it goes, you know, from, you know, regardless of your gender or your age or whether or not you're extroverted or introverted, it doesn't matter, right? So with that being said, make sure that you go out of your way to, um, state your intentions. It's really just state your intentions and recognize also like, uh, you know, men typically, if you're trying to have a relationship with an NFP, and it, it could be either like a romantic relationship, it could be like a friendship, etc. cetera. Uh, regardless, regardless of how it's supposed to be, uh, let's, wow, uh, oh, that flicker is like super annoying right now.
1: Um, right, the same period.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> No. So um, how to go about doing it is uh, just, again, state your intentions, but do it in such a way where it doesn't really make make them feel uncomfortable. You want them to feel comfortable. Uh, you might want to no, wait for the opportune moment, get your timing down perfect and make sure that they're comfortable or seek to make them comfortable first before you state your intentions. You know, use your extroverted sensing inferior, aspire with it. Uh, you know, pay attention to some of the things. And if if they're an NFP, you have the uh, option of actually waiting around, spending time absorbing them with Essie Inferior, find out the things that they like, and then go get those things for them and bring it to them as a gift and be like, hey, I got this for you because I know you like it. That just shows you're thoughtful and then state your intentions afterwards. Uh, you could do this with like Starbucks. You you listen to them or find out someone like with someone at work or whatever. Uh, you find out from a coworker what their favorite Starbucks is, you know, etc. Or at least you go with a whole group or you take their order one day and then you bring that order to them randomly, like a week later or something like that, and then state your intentions or be like, hey, I want to take you out to coffee sometime. I hear you talk about this subject, make it about that subject, and then things will naturally go from there. Uh, it's it's more efficient to do it that way and focus on giving them a good experience and doing what they like. Uh, and then after you've at least done those things, then you state your intentions, right? So that would be the process that I would follow for, for answering that for Byte.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right. It sounds like somewhat my experience, but whatever. Um, Not your experience, Jeb? No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had women approach me before, but like that's how my most successful interactions have occurred. Um, Fair enough. Going on, uh, we have a super chat here from Jordan Holstein, and he says, Is it possible to actually access the unconscious functions? It would be nice to know what SE even is.
0: Uh, yes it is possible to access the unconscious functions Uh, anyone can do that you have to develop the unconscious side of your mind uh, in as much as you have to develop your subconscious and those functions in order to actually be able to develop your superego one day uh, as is the path to enlightenment and total integration of each aspect of your soul etc in order to do that now with that with that being said uh, with that being said you really need to get over your worry basically and be less concerned about things uh, and you could do this by having relationships with other human beings to kind of like um, you know cover those bases for you so you're more secure about it and then uh, you'll be able to actually utilize your uh, unconscious side of your mind without being so pessimistic etc uh, because you know you still use your unconscious all day, every day, anyway. Like all eight of those cognitive functions are still going. And if you haven't watched uh, the episode uh, in season one, uh, breaking down the eight cognitive spectra, I recommend that you actually do uh, so that you can kind of have an idea of how the frames per second work and how all those functions are actually working simultaneously. Uh, and you're just kind of more bleeding into the other sides of your mind in a healthy way. Or you could do like a hard switch and things just kind of flip around And uh, you're still accessing the uh, four functions of your ego, kind of like an anchor, as you're off in La La Land or Narnia, you know, flying around saving the world in your subconscious, or maybe even in your unconscious, depending on, you know, your your happiness versus maturity, et cetera, depending on what side of the mind you're in, to be able to use those four to use those uh, four cognitive functions. But again, to be able to access the unconscious in a healthy way. Uh, without necessarily being exposed to abuse or trauma in your life. It's all about developing your maturity and you develop your maturity through being, uh, through dealing with worry uh, and concern. And when you're worried, you focus on not being as worried anymore. Like, how do you do that? Well. You have you really need life experience. The more life experience you have, the less worried you will be essentially because it's like, oh, I've been through this before. I can get through this again, kind of a situation, right? And that helps you drop your worry and your concern and allows you to use your unconscious functions more often and in a healthy way and not necessarily in a traumatic way. Because remember, the unconscious exists to try to bring us maturity and help us as human beings mentally develop maturity, and that's why we do it, etc.
1: Okay, um, we don't have another super chat, do we? That person deleted their message, so we're going to go back to the Discord questions, and the top one comes from sir ball and, and he asks why do you think i are so private do you recommend anything it, do you recommend anything for these types to mitigate this?
0: well they're very private because they've usually been taken advantage of by somebody it's their extraordinary intuition nemesis their fifth function the top of their unconscious side of their mind INJs are very private because if they reveal private things about themselves, they're concerned that that person may become treacherous and then screw them over one day. You know, and that could be a serious uh, issue. Like, like that could be that could be a major problem. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not just gonna go out there and tell everyone your secret, jab and especially like when it comes to, like INTJs and they have that. I mean, even INFJs have paranoia, just like. Uh, INTJs do it's just not as bad as it is for INTJs it's 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 still pretty high though because they have expert intuition nemesis uh, but they don't have that TE parent pessimism to go along with it right so right. there's a lot of there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of disadvantages uh, that go along with it so based on that based on that it's it's really important to make sure that if people are stating their intentions, verify those intentions. That way you don't have to be so worried about them. And also don't do that SI demon thing where you're comparing past experiences that you've had with people with this like new person and their new intentions towards you. That's not fair. Don't judge them that way. You know what I'm saying? Like don't judge them that way, that's wrong, right? Why would you go about doing that, right? You can't do that. But. They're private because INJs basically start out thinking that you know people are just you know because Essie Inferiors just naturally believes that people are loyal to them. If the person shows themselves friendly to them initially, it's like oh this person's friendly to me. Oh this person must like the experience I'm giving them. Oh this person must be loyal to me. Oh I can trust this person. No, no that's not actually true. And then as over time that extrovert intuition nemesis becomes jaded because SE inferior was hit too many times because the people that they thought were loyal to them are not actually loyal to them. That's the issue. That's the problem, right? So how do we solve that problem? Well, by paranoia. The paranoia is utilized through extrovert intuition nemesis to protect the INJ. And this is why they are very private, essentially. That's why they behave privately.
1: Okay, Um. next question is, oh, do we have a super chat? Sorry, I might have missed it. Nope. All right. Oh, Periani's in the chat. Uh, we answered your question, so maybe at the end of the stream, you might need to go back, sir. Anyway, next question is, would be interested to know your opinion about the works of the Dave Superpowers channel from Objective Personality haven't seen all their videos because they are too short and poorly structured, whoops, <laughs> from an educational view. My loose impression is they're overcomplicating things. For example, in a recent video, they claimed it's almost impossible for you to know your own type just by yourself. What did you think? Uh,
0: I think... Uh... I don't really know much about Dave's superpowers or what he does. I don't really have much of an opinion. I watched like four of his videos years ago and three or four of them and that's, that's it. And it was mostly just talking about the top four cognitive functions and, and I didn't really talk about shadow functions or anything beyond there. So I didn't really utilize him as a source of, in my own education in terms of, um, you know, Jungian analytical psychology or depth, uh, typology. I haven't really done that. So I'm not entirely sure how to go about doing that uh, per se. I, I can't really offer much of an opinion because I just I just don't know the guy. I don't. Yeah, he's been successful, but he's been doing this for years. Uh, and right. I've been only doing this since February 2018. I'm, my, our one year anniversary is coming up, but yeah, I' am not really sure how to an- go about answering that question, Jeb.
1: Fair enough. Um... I mean, if you want to reword that question and ask something a bit more specific, um, we'll eventually get to it. But we've got quite a lot of questions. And right now we have a super chat from Edwin Ortiz. And he asks, My nephew might be an ESTP, so I'd like to make sure he has strong values. Thoughts on being able to slash how to nurture a strong FE in an ESTP child.
0: So... You can't give an ESTP values. That's actually an FI thing. So in order to nurture FE in an ESTP child, you just go volunteer with that child and take him volunteering and help people. And uh, help have him put him in charge of something at like some kind of event or have him be a bell ringer with the Salvation Army uh, at Christmas time, or, or do uh, help at a blood bank or one of those like mobile blood uh, collection uh, center truck things that they have where they take people's blood uh, basically anywhere when they deploy, usually in like a grocery store, parking lot, or at a hospital, et cetera. Uh, volunteering for picking up trash, those kinds of things. Uh, community service. Uh, take the ESTP out for community service. Essentially, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why society has, you know, utilized community service as a punishment for criminals. Uh, because a lot of, uh, like, you know, the STPs who happen to be criminals. I'm not saying all STPs are criminal. No, I'm not. Don't jump to that conclusion. Uh, but uh, they find it very therapeutic. STP, NFJ uh, criminals uh, in that quadra, they do find community service actually very therapeutic and it actually helps rehabilitate them uh, so they don't you know have repeated offenses, et cetera, because they see that they're actually contributing to something. And there was some research on that like from a bunch of years ago that I, that I read about that, which was, was really fascinating to me. But uh, I, I don't remember the specific, uh, I, read it, I, I read it in a book actually. <laughs> But, uh, and uh, one of my mentors discussed uh, something similar to that effect. But uh, be that as it may, uh, when you're looking at you know this ESTP child, go volunteer, go do something, help people. You want to treat him kind of like an INFJ and use his subconscious, help him develop his subconscious, help him uh, just be like, hey, I'm I'm doing this, you're coming with me, right? You need to help me today and we are going to go volunteer. We're going to go pick up trash. We're going to help the blood bank. We're going to go to the food bank. Those types of things. That is what we are doing, right? And uh, anyone can be involved. Anyone can do that, etc. right? So that's, that's basically how it works. That's basically what uh, I would recommend uh, for developing extroverted feeling within an ESTP. Jab. Yep.
1: <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, right. uh, so you finished answering that question. I don't know. You just left the live stream channel for some reason. I
0: tried not to. I didn't do anything, but fair enough. At least I'm back.
1: Maybe the yeah, yeah I don't know what happened there. Um. Alright, so did you finish answering that question? I can go on the next one.
0: Yeah, I did. Basically saying take the ESTP uh, to develop FE childs, go volunteer with that ESTP. Uh, treat them with like right. INFJ.
1: Next question comes from one of our favorite members, Bite, and she asks, Hi, Chase. Do you have any suggestions how an INFJ female can survive in a software engineering workplace? I'm constantly told I have to initiate, start projects on my own and make my own required documents, which stresses me out a lot because I feel so lost and I don't know how to start them usually. I've asked for help such guidance, but there's not that much movement. Thanks for your suggestions.
0: Uh, My first suggestion is get a new job. Uh, it is unfair for the workplace to expect an INFJ software engineer to produce so much paperwork or so much documentation that's TE trickster that's not going to go anywhere plus they're a finisher type uh, if you're going to like if you if you're a business owner and you're leveraging a software engineer who's an INFJ and which by the way INFJs are some of the best software engineers that you could find because their TI child just absolutely dominates logic uh, when they're like doing programming, etc., Super, super mega important, right? Uh, based on that, uh, you need to make sure that you make it clear that when you're getting hired to these organizations that while you're an amazing software engineer and you have a great portfolio, documentation is not my thing so I would recommend get there's some software out there that uh, when you're actually doing some coding and whatnot uh, you could it'll do documentation for you lot and it'll keep track of your comments etc maybe it's like a Git technology I don't I'm not really familiar with that but there's a lot of tools out there that could be utilized to assist not only that you can maybe even use like a prototyping software like for example Adobe XD uh, for for uh, application prototyping and you uh, create your prototype, and then, okay, I made my prototype, guys, that's my documentation, there you go, you know, but otherwise, what what point is there? So is documentation like just some scaffolding or just some like code for the code? I mean, when I'm writing code, why do I have to write documentation too? I mean, I could understand putting comments in there to, to pay attention to that code and, and to say like, okay, this subroutine does this, this switch does this, this does this, this case does this, this loop does this, uh, you know, okay, sure, fair enough, but there's really no, there's really no point to it, especially for an INFJ. Other coders, you know, like maybe an INTJ, they're great at documentation; they can handle that. But honestly, it's not the INFJ's job to be producing all that side documentation. Quite frankly, that organization sounds like that that they're either not organized, they do not know how to approach HR properly, and uh, they probably are lacking uh, knowledge of cognition of their employees and creating a work environment that is not conducive to them being productive. And I'm trying not to be a hypocrite here because, like the people that work for me, I try to utilize them in the ways that they are best utilized for instead of like expecting them to, you know, be this, uh, 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 you know, square screw trying to, you know, fit in like a round hole, it's not gonna work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so mm-hmm. just from like, uh, from that standpoint, you know, communicate what you need, uh, put up your boundaries. And if they're not going to allow, if you, if they're gonna continue to break your boundaries, leave that organization and find somewhere else. You can't find like INFJ, really good INFJ software engineers do not grow on trees, they just don't and uh, you could easily get rehired elsewhere, especially if you're looking while you're hired. Don't just quit and then try to look for a job. That's never a wise decision. Actually, just secretly look for a job. Even if it makes you, the INFJ, feel guilty that you're doing it, just ignore your guilt. Like seriously, do what works, don't do the right thing. Do it works, use your ESTP subconscious and do what works. Don't do the right thing, because if you do, you're gonna screw yourself. So ignore your guilt, go look for another job on the side, and then in the interview process, make it clear, hey, Documentation is not my thing. I'm amazing at code, but I'm not really good at documentation. So unless you have software that's going to help me document, don't expect me to do it. Oh yeah, don't worry, we have the software. Or, oh yeah, don't worry, we have other people on staff that can handle that for you. Great, thank you. And then get on with them. Otherwise, uh, enforce your boundaries and hope for the best. That's all I could offer.
1: Okay. All right, well, I'm going to suggest you answer these next few questions rather briefly because this person has actually asked like four questions in a row. So, okay. um, firstly, start off with passion, interest, hobby that can become a method of earning money that will lead to a better subconscious development and make me happy. I was thinking about dancing. I never did it. I thought SI remembers the movements and any imitates the others as they dance. It will be okay. Or not having SC in the ego is not it. What are your suggestions? So this is an ISTJ male. So so should an ISTJ male use dancing as a way to develop your subconscious?
0: An ISTJ male to use dancing to develop uh, subconscious? Yeah, that would work. That would work pretty well, actually. I Have you ever watched... Um, So whoever asked this question, there's this show on Netflix a long time ago called LXD, The League of Extraordinary Dancers. If you haven't checked that out, I recommend it. But there is a few ISTJ dancers that were absolutely dominating in it. And ISFJ is also... Uh, SJs in general can dominate dance pretty well. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. The amount of self-discipline that they can exude with their introverted sensing, their super high introverted sensing, uh, to be able to uh, meet the needs and do the mimicry, to be able to have things well choreographed. Uh, yeah, absolutely, definitely something to do to develop your subconscious. Please do it. Uh, it's, it can be absolutely right. incredible. It's also something I would recommend to NPs as well, intuitive perceivers. Definitely something I would recommend to NPs to help develop their subconscious uh, is to utilize dance. So, yes.
1: Okay, and then he asks, what would you say for something like this a man who achieves female archetypes and a woman who achieves male archetypes? If we just, if we would juxtapose them, how would the relationship look like? How would it work?
0: Can you ask that in a different way? Like,
1: I think what this person's saying is if a woman achieves king, warrior, magician, lover, and a man achieves queen matron, something, lover, wise lady, lover, whatever the female ones are. Sorry, I forgot what they are. So if a man achieves the female mature archetypes and a woman achieves the male mature archetype, how would a relationship between those two people work?
0: Uh, I honestly can't really say. Because I don't see how it's possible for a female to reach king, warrior, magician, lover. Especially like when you're looking at the magician itself is specifically the archetype. It specifically is for developing other men and with manly things and helping them reach king and warrior. So I don't think that the the logical basis of the question itself is not actually something that could exist in reality. Therefore, I can't really provide an answer that's not void to begin with
1: okay all right um well he's actually asked another two questions but we've got a super chat and this person asks aiden voice asks if you had four islands one with four SF, sf sorry one with four sjs one with four sps one with nts and one with nf which would be most likely to survive which would be the happiest and which would get along the best?
0: Which would be the most likely to survive, which would be the happiest and which would, uh, are the islands next to each other or are they completely separate and closed off from each other?
1: I'm going to assume separate.
0: Oh, going to assume separate. Um, uh, I honestly can't really say for sure. Other than like the SP Island is the one that will likely survive. Um, the most yeah sps probably uh, because of their ability as artisans to manipulate the physical environment around them uh they would have the highest chance of survival for sure and there's like a 50 50 chance between the nts and the nfs uh because uh they have uh some sp types within them uh, as well that could assist them sj's uh kind of, sort of, they could as well. I mean, they have SP related shadows, but it just, again, it all depends. Like That's way too broad of a question for me to answer. So because of how broad it is, I would just have to put my money on SPs to start. And after that, it's all very subjective and I need more information to answer it.
1: Right. Okay. So going back to the questions from uh, the ISTJ guy, how to deal with paranoid SE Nemesis as ISTJ. It's really annoying. When I have to get somewhere, all my clothes must create harmony, and sometimes it takes too long that I'm late in public when something isn't as I like, for example. air blowed my styled hair, I am correcting it, even though it will dispel again soon, and it pisses me off. Or I have this tendency to pull the phone out to look in his mirror and check everything is in place. Okay, before anyone makes fun of me for not being able to read, that was the grammar of the question. So okay.
0: So they're asking what to do about SE Nemesis basically.
1: Yeah, how to deal with it? How can you overcome it?
0: Basically doing what she's already doing. Uh you have to he. develop additional oh, he, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I grammar, right? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Grammar. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh so uh based on that It's Mm -hmm. SE Nemesis is more than just you know clothing I like the clothing example but it's also like being worried about the physical environment around you right Uh, like everything has its place but really how do you defeat SE Nemesis you make it your ally and you so watch season 16 episode 5 for this but just make SE nemesis your ally, right? And utilize it as an ally to defeat external factors, not necessarily internal. If it's internal, you just have to use self-discipline and just comply with the demands of the nemesis function, your SE nemesis with your SI hero, and force yourself, even though you don't like it, to fix things and make things make sure everything is in place. That doesn't mean you have uh, obsessive compulsive disorder as most people would claim, but that just means that You are making sure that you are not worried that you're coming off visually negative or giving other people a bad experience or pressuring them too much, et cetera. Not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing because you yourself don't like being pressured. You yourself don't like having a bad experience from other people. If you just let that go by the wayside, then you become a hypocrite. Uh, And that's not recommended. So really just utilize self discipline and make the SE nemesis your ally and not necessarily a nemesis. And you can learn that in season 16, episode five. Uh, But uh, otherwise, uh, just keep on doing what you keep on doing. Now, you can not necessarily be as concerned about those things, but you would also have to recognize that you yourself would not have to be so judgmental towards other people when they give you a bad experience, when they look ugly or they are not, you know, making sure that they're, you know, well done uh, in terms of their getup as well. So it it, Mm -hmm. it goes both ways is my point.
1: Okay. Um, We actually had a super chat come in while you're answering that. Okay. And that comes from Max. G94, and he asked, Any thoughts from the laws of human nature and how it relates to cognitive functions/slash 16 types?
0: Uh, I cannot offer any thoughts because I have not finished reading that book. I actually had to move Ooh. a few books ahead of it in my queue to be able to, uh, that had higher priority, given the situation that I was dealing with since, the, and since Thanksgiving till like recently. But I have a couple books ahead of it, and then I will be getting into finishing up uh, Laws of Human Nature. Uh, I have been told by other people, though, that you could potentially, you know, apply Jungian analytical psychology directly to that book. So I'm very curious to see what that is, but that's definitely something we're going to have to get back to. Uh, so yeah, I, you know what? I may actually just do a full episode on that in the future. Uh, quite frankly, uh, on the laws of human nature, just to you know produce some kind of analysis for it. And I think I might do that in season seventeen, especially when we're talking about uh, children's upbringing, etc., and as well as
1: adolescence. So. Okay. Um. Questions for C.S. Joseph. Let's see what you... This is the final question from this lad. And he asks, Getting to know new people, how to lead a conversation being an ISTJ. It is natural for me that I am talking about what I found out lately or about the weather. This is amazing. Yesterday was 19 Celsius. And today is only 6 Celsius. XD. Familiarizing someone is how to start, what topics to move, so as to not bother the other side. Generally, I do not like to talk because I do not have anything I can talk about. I realize that the interlocutor, what I have to say is not interesting.
0: Okay. Okay. So this ISTJ is asking for what subjects could I bring up with people in general in order to cause familiarity so I could potentially make friends out of them? Is that basically what he's asking? Yes. OK. So based on that, uh, read. Read books.
1: Ah, uh, you left the channel again.
0: <laughs> I'm in here. I'm in the channel.
1: What are you talking about? Welcome back. You just rejoined, sir. Weird. okay
0: okay so from an istj standpoint you need to read like read all the time read books uh be aware of current events as much as possible uh we have an istj on our team and he's constantly aware of current events and it is amazing it's like he's he's my own personal uh um, uh, I don't want to say CNN because he'd be offended, uh, but uh, you know he just he knows things consistently and is always up to date on anything current events related. Uh, be up to date on those things. Read constantly. Read the newspaper. Read the news. Read books all the time. Fill yourself with experiences and do things for yourself that make you happy and things that you like, and then share those things with other people so that the SE users in your life be like, "Wow, I see what you're doing." I want to do that too and then they end up and then it ends up developing desire for you because of what you are doing right so that 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 would be how i'd answer that question jab
1: okay um let's see what we've got for you next and this is a question from someone called i am not sorry when to use the same versus when to use different interaction styles still not entirely sure how to how same interaction styles versus different works in conversations and whatnot.
0: Okay, can you ask that again in a different way though?
1: Hmm Okay, let me think. So I think what this person's asking is um so with respect to interaction styles, so this person's um talking about when to use the different sides of your mind. I think.
0: Oh, is that that each side of the mind has their own
1: interaction style? So when to use the same those different interaction styles. So I think what this person's saying is um. When should you use an interaction style, to uh, get you along do with someone all the on?
0: time. You do all the time. And if you're emulating another side of that of the mind, that side of the mind or that particular uh, four cognitive functions that has its own interaction style, it's its own person. Basically, it has its own interaction style, has its own temperament, has its own things, everything. So, of course, you know, if you're going to do cognitive emulation, you'd have to do that for sure. Like, obviously. right. Right.
1: Okay. Um, we do have another super chat from Aidan Weissnees, and he asks, with SJs and SPs, their temperaments are named after the second and fourth letters, but NT and NFs are named after the second and third letters. Why aren't there columns of MPs and NJs?
0: Uh, because, uh... I mean, it's interesting because the MBTI actually released a, uh... um, a grid like that years ago where it was organized that way. But uh, we do it by temperament and we do it by uh, by interaction style. And we do that specifically to help actually classify or how to type people through uh, temperaments. So we use the temperament matrix according to Stephen Montgomery. Uh, you could read that in his book, uh, People Patterns. Uh, you can also uh, do Dr. Linda Barron's and look at her approach to temperaments as well, uh, since they kind of go hand in hand with each other. And then uh, from there, uh, you also look at Dr. Linda Behrens' interaction styles, and that's why we have the type grid set up the way that it's set up. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can't mix up NJs with NJs because they all have different temperaments and they all have different interaction styles. Not exactly fair, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, there's an, there's a different interaction style for each. But you know, half of them have the same temperament, the other half of them don't. SPS and SJs are a bit more uniform, but the intuitives are a bit more mixed up. And that's why we have uh, the grid that's set up that way for that purpose.
1: Perfect. Um, we didn't have another super chat, did we? No. All right. Next question is, how can TE Trickster keep up with large amounts of material taught in college when college is TE heavy? Perhaps a series on how the types learn such study best. Um,
0: basically, you want to surround yourself with good TE users to learn from. Hopefully, you get professors that are TE users and uh, reads a lot of, get a lot of input. It's just, you know, immerse yourself, basically. Immerse your TI in, in, uh, in basically anything related to that subject that you're actually studying. Now, sometimes you're forced to study subjects you don't want to study, which makes it even harder but you just have to really give yourself the time and develop a really good process of study to be able to go through all of your subjects. Because if you're a movement type, as an, and I'm assuming this is an INFJ, not an ISFJ, right? Uh, you wanna make sure you have a good process. Now, if you are an ISFJ with TE Trickster, okay, that's different. You'll wanna focus on the outcome, what is the goal, basically, and then develop an individual study process for each goal. And uh, and then as a result of that, you could get through it. It really comes down to when that you're focusing on your outcome or developing a process that could handle any outcome, right? And, uh, or if you have trouble, surround yourself with TE users, befriend TE users, have relationships with TE users because those TE users will help you think through all those anomalies and of those difficulties in an academic environment or get a career change or go to a school Mm -hmm. that's not really TE related, maybe performing arts, et cetera. There's a lot of different aspects out there that you could look at, but Mm -hmm. even then performing arts can be very TE because even songs have structures and there's data points, et cetera, and reference points. So it kind of, it's kind of a pick your poison scenario. Academia is not really, um, uh, structured uh, and they are biased against te tricksters and there's not really much i can do about that or say how to compensate it you either have to participate knowing that you have that disadvantage or
1: you choose not to participate quite frankly okay all right we got another question here i'm a little confused as to why you adamantly say intps and infps are incompatible with each other surely they shared any nsi in the same slots means they experience the world in a very similar way while their hero functions both satisfy each other's inferior function. As an INTP myself, INFPs are far, by far my favorite type. They put in as much thought as I do and come up with much more ethical answer comparative to pragmatic solution. Com- comparative to the pragmatic solution is come up with. Okay. I think he means I come up with. the laid-back nature of infp makes them easier to be around than any other type and they are also skilled at guiding me through the notorious fe could you elaborate as to why you don't think these will get along
0: well i mean if that's what this person likes to do then that's what they like to do i'm not going to get in the way of that like seriously i'm not going to get in the way of that but at the same time like it's just not going to work that's not a one-size-fits-all solution for a marriage or a romantic or an intimate relationship i do not recommend inps with inps it's just not going to work because for example si users in the bedroom they like being on the bottom typically SE users in the bedroom typically like being on top what happens when you put two people in the bedroom that both want to be on the bottom you see what I'm saying? There's difficulty there. And I know I've said that before, and I know that triggers some people, but it is what it is. That's a fact. Like, it's a fact, guys, because mm-hmm. the SE user is responsible for giving other people a good experience, whereas you have these INPs in the relationship, and they're both focused on what makes gives them a good experience, what makes both of them comfortable. And they're not seeking to comfort each other. They're just seeking to comfort themselves. Wow, that's a really good foundation to create a relationship on. No, no, it's not. Now, while they may be able to be emotionally available and meet each other's emotional needs with their like inferior functions versus hero functions, okay, yeah, maybe, but their perceiving functions have zero compatibility what, what whatsoever. It's more of they, they end up just doing things shoulder to shoulder, but it's not like, it's not a face-to-face relationship. It's a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. That's not something I'd recommend for an intimate relationship, no way. And the, and one of the, prob- probably the only reason why these two types are able to like be with each other, because typically I notice this is, it, it's really, really strong in SI user plus SI user relationships. It's very strong with them, but both, people who are SI users in an intimate relationship don't have much experience having intimacy with SE users. And because of that, they don't have any SI data from which to compare to in the past, which would have potentially likely prevented them from being interested and in being with an SI user, a fellow SI user, because they would remember that, oh, this other relationship in the past would have actually been better than this one. I'm not going to waste my time or well, I'm not really interested in that, right? So it could have been they could have been two virgins, and they could have gotten together. And this is why people make the argument as to well, you shouldn't have sexual relations until you are, you know, uh, uh, until you're married, because you know if you're a virgin, you don't have any information with which to compare to. Yeah, sure, okay, I get that. And if that's all these SI users ever knew, okay, yeah, then sure, in that context potentially the relationship could work because they don't know any better because it's literally the ignorance is bliss argument. That's not useful. That's not helpful, okay? Because in the long run, that's not the truth. The truth is, SI users need to be with SI users. That's it. That's, that, that is a fact, especially in an intimate relationship setting.
1: Okay, well, we've got two super chats in quick succession. Let's start with the top one. Chase! What's the least compatible type you would date? Uh,
0: the least compatible type that I would date for myself. Um,
1: there's a little bit extra. Is TP drawn to ENTP slash INTP like a bug to light? Although I know it's top mediocre compatibility. Uh,
0: yeah, it's, it is mediocre compatibility. It's kind of neutral. But I like I, I really like STP women I I have always I've always liked uh, STP women even though it's kind of neutral in compatibility land uh, and then also there's like that FE user FE user guilt loop you got to deal with uh, which can be problematic um, but. Uh, you know, especially like, you know, since I am an effy child, and it'd be good luck trying to make an STP woman feel good about herself, like that's not going to happen. So instead, I just have to constantly pretend to, you know, value her basically pretend to value to validate her, etc. And tell her, I feel really good about you, because you do this for me and do this for me, even though that's not actually how I emotionally feel. I want someone else to say that to me, not the other way around, right. So it kind of (laughs) like bends in on itself and gets all you know screwed up etc and in terms right. of uh, but in terms of relationships I would probably avoid it's definitely fellow NTPs like they're like why would I want to be in a relationship with an NTP woman uh, or an INTP or an ENTP woman like I don't I don't you know they could be like very attractive looking and sure uh, as many women out there are very beautiful and and yeah fair enough but outside of that, it, could I actually have a relationship with them? No, because it would be like me being in a relationship with my sister. Like that that's how I see NTP women. They're like they're like my they're like my my cadre, my my, my my sisters in arms basically. You know, we're we're doing stuff shoulder to shoulder, we're getting things done, we're kicking ass, taking names. There's no room for a relationship there. We can't be intimate. And I would avoid being intimate. There's no way because we're not able to meet each other's needs. That's the issue. Right. I have to be in a relationship where I'm able to meet her needs and she's able to meet my needs. Outside of that, it's just not going to happen.
1: Okay. um, Mr. Adrian Weissness did the super chat. Awesome. I kind of Thanks feel you, like Aiden. Mr... Good. Mr. should just become a patron. But, yeah, you know. yeah,
0: yeah. Mr. Wojnich, uh <laughs> consider going to patreoncom csjoseph with that shameless plug in there, if you know what I mean. And absolutely. Uh, yeah, we are coin operated. Uh, Jabs new coin slot is working great. Uh, exactly. Yep.
1: So the question Mr. Wojcieszewski asks is, if the layout of the grid is true, then why aren't SJs and SPs mixed up when NTs and NFs can find their most compatible types? in their own column, but SJs and SPs have to cross columns.
0: Uh, Well, it's interesting that you say that it's, well, okay. Good point. So it's, it's really because uh, uh, SPs, they seek freedom and SJs are trying to give freedom. Uh, And uh, SJs are seeking security and SPs are able to provide security. That's basically the reason right there. Uh, they're able to meet each other's needs cross-temperament wise. SPs, they're trying to do what works and they're trying to seek somebody who does the right thing. They wanna be paired up with somebody who does the right thing so that they have someone to cover all of the right thing bases because they're affiliative. And whereas the SJs who are affiliative, they have a lot more respect and it and the uh the sps just fills them up with so like they they feel full of life around the sps it's like wow these people just do whatever they want you know i wish i could do whatever i want i wish i had willpower like those people and, and uh, whereas the sps look at the sjs and like i wish i was as honorable and as dutiful as they were you know and and they just see what's missing in themselves and the other person and that's why they need to have relations with each other and that's why they're able to cross temperaments etc in terms of their highest compatibilities Did I get out of the uh, channel again?
1: Yeah, domes keeps dragging you. Um is there any way you can like bring up the Discord so you can yeah. like I think if it's minimized, it's gonna kick you out. I don't know why, but apparently.
0: Okay. I'll try not to keep it minimized as much as I can.
1: Uh, but... So yeah, actually we have another super chat from Mr. Devin and he asks Devin. who are some famous well-developed ENTPs?
0: Who are some famous well-developed ENTPs, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, hands down. Benjamin,
1: Franklin. good old Benji. Uh, what about How- CS Joseph? CS Joseph,
0: we're getting there, Jab. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, okay, we're 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 getting there. Uh, uh, Howard Hughes. Um, definitely uh, would be a good example. Uh, if you like uh, fiction, uh, Klaus Michelson from uh, the show The uh, Originals, he's an ENTP. And of course, his brother Elijah is an INFP, for example, and his sister Rebecca is an ISTJ. Very interesting uh, uh, way of uh, putting a story together. Um, and uh, Let's see what other famous ENTPs. Uh, rumor there's a lot of arguments out there that Socrates was actually an ENTP. A lot of um, a lot of rumors uh, regarding that as well. Uh, and I even saw some like biblical scholars trying to make the arguments that John the Baptist was an ENTP, but I'm not entirely sure about that. I don't I don't know that much about John the Baptist, etc. But there is like cause, you know he's obviously a starter interaction style, absolutely, and it's kind of interesting, archetypically speaking that you know John the Baptist as the starter uh, interaction style, and then Jesus and INFJ FJ is the finisher interaction style. I, I find that very interesting how that works. Uh, but uh, archetypically speaking, so what are some other uh, famous ENTPs, Jab? I know I'm forgetting like two more I'm trying that I usually mm. usually have off the top of my head. So I always tell people like Howard Hughes, I always tell people Benjamin Franklin, I mean, like Tesla's an INTP. Novel? you know, say again.
1: Tony Stark from- uh,
0: Tony Stark, yeah. Tony Stark and uh, like Robert Downey example. Jr. Robert Downey Jr. himself is an INTP, which is why he right. fit perfectly with the role. Uh, absolutely, right. absolutely perfect with the role. I mean, you can even watch that uh, Charisma on Command channel on YouTube, uh, and uh, the guy who runs that channel is comparing Tony Stark to... to uh, Robert Downey Jr. and his charisma versus Captain America and Chris Evans and his charisma and how they have completely different ways of doing things. And you can see the different ways of interactions and how they're like polar opposites to each other within, uh, within you know the, the movies because Chris Evans is an ISFJ and it's polar opposite of the Niantipi. And it's a very interesting interaction uh, between that. So I recommend watching that if you get a chance. I'm still here, Jab, I promise.
1: Yeah, all good, all good. I just got a letter. Anyway, um, what was I saying? You're on in the next, next question. question. Yeah. Taj oh, Marie, in the patron q and I almost awesome. missed it. All right. Taj Marie asks, I have a two-part question. Okay. First, when it comes to networking, many rules and guidelines for effective networking seem like they are affiliative and interest-based.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Someone who is systematic and pragmatic adjust their interaction style, but yet remain authentic to oneself. Do they have to emulate, draw from subconscious, or uh, a combination of both? Lastly, is it possible for someone in a high-paced scenario such as? Is it possible to type someone in a high-paced scenario such as networking, and how quickly?
0: It, it is possible uh, you have to it, it, to get the most ideal uh, results with typing somebody you want to have a one-on-one interaction with them while also observing them from a distance as a third party with them not interacting with you at all to get the most data so that way because sometimes when you're in front of somebody because I was like coaching somebody yesterday actually and uh, we're like, oh, hey, you know maybe uh, you know, you're know you an ISTP, but they're cognitive transition into ISTP land. And it wasn't until uh, they were more comfortable in the conversation as time went on because they're an SI user that it came to light that, oh, you're actually an ESTJ. You were just you know stuck in your shadow because you are uncomfortable. And I'm not exactly the most comforting person because I have SE demon. Like I don't really make people comfortable, let's be honest. And that's really hard for like an SJ type, especially in a one-on-one coaching scenario to be able to do that and especially if you're in a high, uh, fast paced environment like a networking event, et cetera, that can be like really difficult, right? So how do you deal with that? We really have to get multiple inputs of information, have that one-on-one interaction, but also observe them from a distance outside of not interacting them while still able to like hear what they're talking about. That way, you know what's up. That way you're getting all the correct information is just follow the type grid uh, through interaction styles and temperaments. Now in season 17, we're about to release a quadras and cognitive axes analysis. We're gonna be adding those uh, two documents to the type grid document to create you know the uh, the four ways to interpret the type grid on how to type people so you could do it even faster and more accurately. And we'll have all those available and you'll actually be able to get that interaction down even faster. Now, in terms of emulating to get the best results and optimizing uh, what you can uh, in a networking situation, you absolutely will need to be cognitive transitioning consistently. Now, if you're a member of this audience and you don't even know what cognitive transitions even mean, well, go to season one, go to a playlist here on the YouTube channel, go to season one and look up, or, or search on the search bar on the channel and look up cognitive transitions. There's a specific lecture for it, watch it. And then also do eight cognitive spectra while you're at it. So you just kind of understand how things work mechanically from that standpoint. But with the four sides of your mind, you're gonna wanna be bouncing back and forth between your subconscious and your ego and your unconscious depending upon who the audience is because you know, if you're a pragmatic INTJ and whatnot, and it's like, well, not everyone is gonna respond well to SE inferior's uh, initiation. So, or, and if that's the case, you might need to have a, like, a, like a wingman or, of some kind to help introduce you to people that uh, are, to introduce you to fellow SE users, et cetera, so that you can network with fellow SE users because they're trying to initiate with you or they're trying to give you a good experience, but your SID is just like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. I wanna tell you what, I'm, what how I feel about this or what I'm thinking here, or you should think about things differently. It's really important to bring like um, someone who has perception functions that are different than yours as like a partner to go to like these networking events. That way you can bounce people back and forth between the both of you. Uh, otherwise, if you're just there by yourself, you're gonna have to rely on cognitive transitioning a lot, which can be very tiring, especially if you're an introvert, not something I recommend. So bring another person with you, bring an SI user if you're an SE user basically, and then kinda go bounce everyone between the two of you. And just make sure you have similar goals, you're kind of united with what you're trying to get out of the networking event, et cetera. And then as a result, your success rate will go way up uh, uh, as a result of doing that
1: strategy. All right, perfect. I didn't miss any super chat. No, thank you, Mr. Neurotic Alpha, for your support. I appreciate you didn't want to ask a question. Thanks for the free money. My coin slot is very happy. <laughs>
0: very happy coin slot, yes.
1: It's very excited. Amazing. The greatest. Anyway, let's go to our next question. Are INTJs worried about other people's futures as well as with... I mean, any nemesis.
0: Yes, they are. They're worried about the fates of others, for sure, and the fate of where we are going collectively. The collective unconscious uh, is worrisome to the INTJ. And based on that, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, where is our culture going? Where is our society going? Where is this company going? Where is this XYZ group going? Where is this hospital going? Where is this van going? Where are we going? Where are we going together as a community? Where are we going together as a family? What is happening? You know, what, Do we have a plan? Is there a plan here? Do we really want that? What's actually happening? You know, uh, mm-hmm. Are you sure you want that? Uh, wow, that's our collective fate right now. That's not something I want. What if I want is something different than what y'all want? What about me? Do I get a choice? Right? That's where the any nemesis comes uh, into play. And that's how I'd mm-hmm. answer that question.
1: All right. What's the secondary virtue and vice of an INTJ?
0: The secondary virtue and vice of an INTJ, that would be sincerity versus insincerity through the ENTP unconscious.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, look at the ENTP unconscious as a So, look at the virtue and vice of ENTPs. That would essentially be the answer um next question is there any specific sequence you enter other sides of your mind if that's so is there a preference if that's not the case do you enter the side that's strongest to deal with it or the side that's best to deal with it
0: it's really the side that's best to deal with it quite frankly uh It's not really about strength, it's about what applies in the moment, what's actually useful uh, in a given scenario. And your mind instinctually knows, per se, based on the situation. Uh, However, uh, remember, life is not about what is good or bad. Life is not about what is true or false. Life is about what is wise and what is not, right? And that's very important. uh, because just because your mind chooses to solve a problem with a particular, with your subconscious, or where, but it may be wiser to use your unconscious, right? So as you get older and you gain wisdom, you'll actually be able to consciously decide what the best path is for a specific situation. Or even uh, wisely bring in a third party to assist you with their cognitive functions to actually be more applicable to the situation. Ask for help. It's never a bad thing to ask for help because no one person's cognition is actually able to uh, solve all of the problems, right? No one's cognition is able to solve all the problems. There's not really much you know that can be said about that. There's not much that can be done about that, right? So just to uh, so be aware of the, the synergy that comes by bringing other people in to help solve problems in exchange for you, obviously, solving problems for them down the road. As Benjamin Franklin would say, you know, if you, if you meet a new neighbor, ask them for help because they're more likely to do you a kindness after you ask them for kindness, etc. It's the same kind of thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which types would like to have the same experiences over and over again, i.e., watch the same movie over and over?
0: Well, that's that's interesting. Uh, in uh, in their youth, uh, that would be ENPs with their SI inferiors, absolutely. Uh, but that goes away as they get older because their SI becomes more developed over time. They're able to remember much, much more. So they end up not desiring to watch the same movies over and over again as often as they get older. Whereas if you look at NJs, it's the complete opposite. You know, they uh, they ne- at first they don't necessarily want to watch the same movie over and over again, but then like, NJs just end up watching the same movie over and over and over and over and over because that SI trickster is there. It's not really remembering things and it's like having a whole new experience every time to a point and so that they're actually able to do that and watch them over and over again it's especially true with n like 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 enjs really my dad can watch the same movie and i think one of his favorite movies is mystery men with ben stiller and he and i swear he's watched that like 50 times and i'm like come on i don't want to watch that again please please stop And of course, there's also Weird Al's UHF to throw that in there too. And and also, like watching Red Dwarf, I think I've seen every episode of Red Dwarf at least six or seven times because of my father. So, and I mean, literally every single one, and and every Bond film about nine or ten times at least, each one. So,
1: yeah, my uncle's in DNCJ, and I could say he's watched every Bond film like at least 20 times. So, yeah, maybe you're into you something. Go. Um, you mentioned in one of your videos that there are many factors that determine the outcome of one's type. Why do you think the environment a child is raising has such impact on a person's type?
0: Uh, I answered this question actually in the very first or the second, uh, Q and A, uh, session episodes that we did, uh, but specifically for, uh, this we're covering this in depth in season 17 where we're going to talk about quadras and how the quadra of a child uh causes a child to change their type basically within their quadra depending on the situations if there's good events or bad events in their life if they're positive events they get to move throughout their quadra Uh, if it's a negative event it freezes their position in the quadra and then they end up stuck in the shadow basically during that traumatics period and uh and if they're still frozen in that way when they're adolescence, well, they're stuck, and that that they're that part of their quadra is their ego after adolescence, and that just is what it is. When they come out of their shadow, that's just who they are. Essentially, uh, we'll be discussing that at length in season seventeen.
1: Right. Hmm. Um. Okay. ENFP subconscious slash aspirational NE. And that amazing SI memory always saves me during social situations. SI reminds me of what has worked in the past and what doesn't work among certain friend groups. NE gives gives me rare moments of creativity that always comes out positive. How would you describe aspirational NE for INT for ICJs? Aspirational NE? Uh, basically
0: it's, it's, it's metaphysical awareness, being aware of what is possible and like, oh, I could create knowing what is possible, right? So it's possible I could do this, it's possible that people could do this or anyone could do this or that. And like when they're doing like interior decorating or interior design, it's just more like constant experimenting. They're throwing something against the wall to see if it sticks basically. Right. And they just do it over and over and over again. Oh, that's not gonna work, okay, take it down. Oh, that works great, take it over here. That works right, take it over there. Oh, that doesn't work, take it down, you know? And they're just doing that over and over and over and over and over again until they finally come up with like, oh, hey, yeah, that's that's what we want to do. That's how we're going to do it, etc. cetera. So uh, that's how I would classify that for sure.
1: Okay, hmm. Can you do a series on functions and what each type can do with the least effort to further develop every given function?
0: So how to least effortfully develop every given function? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not so much developing individual functions Uh, we mostly focus on gateway development because by developing your gateway functions your other functions that they're linked to through a cognitive axis are automatically developed as well by default and then there's also cognitive orbit which we will be doing a series upon very soon I forgot I need to write uh, that down because I had decided to do uh, a series on that as well. I think my current uh, lecture count right now, Jab, is about 1,300 plus. It's insane, but we got a lot of work to do. Uh, Anyway, uh, based on that, uh, that's... uh, Yeah, I will be doing a series on it, uh, but not in that way, basically.
1: Perfect. Um... Next question is: Which types are most likely prone to take risks? Uh,
0: sp's hardcore, especially with with, with danger, a physical danger, absolutely. And then uh, after okay. them, um, you could say njs, 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 and sp's the most, with sp's being the utmost for sure, especially stps. Okay stp's the absolute most
1: and nfj's all right well we got another super chat from mr aiden Wojnies, and he asks people talk about the subconscious and unconscious out of context of type the systems which run in the back of our mind and run our body are these the same as the four types in our head make sense question mark
0: uh, technically, yes. And I do not think the psychological community necessarily is labeling what the, they believe is the subconscious and the unconscious uh, accurately. Or maybe I'm not labeling them accurately. You see what I'm saying? Someone is not doing it accurately. Uh, I'm I'm following the model as put forth by Sigmund Freud uh, when it comes to talking about the different sides of the mind. And I'm, I'm taking a mixture of Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud to be able to present that model. Uh, in terms of the four sides of the mind, as a result of that, and all, as well as, you know, I gotta give credit to uh, my INFJ mentor as well, uh, who uh, definitely uh, had a huge impact uh, in the four sides of the mind uh, theory. Uh, and uh, you know the process that uh, you know learning what the process is called it's called inversing etc but uh, because that's what you do when you're switching from your ego to your uh, subconscious that's known as inversing well guess what your unconscious can inverse into the demonic inverse also known as the superfluous ego or the superego but again uh, the names and labels that we have for the four sides of the mind while they are subjective they're not any more subjective than what the psychological community is labeling you know the the unconscious and subconscious and how they control the body etc and while I would like to believe that they're moderately the same it's still very subjective and we don't necessarily know in as much as they don't know themselves either and yeah so that's how I'd answer that
1: mm-hmm. alright perfect um, how does the etching on another person's work sorry How does the etching on other person's open bracket in their core slash soul work? And what function is the one doing it? Also, Uh, why does it have negative consequences for the one doing it if not given explicit permission?
0: Mm, Hmm, they're talking about extroverted sensing, etching on the soul of the SI user. And they're basically creating that SI user as to a totem or they're storing their memories or shared experiences with that SI user. They are imprinting that SI user. Uh, mm-hmm. You see this all the time with like ESTPs, like especially like ESTP men who are doing their nymphomania vice instead of their chastity of virtue, and uh, they're they're trying to etch as many SI user women as possible, you know, by having as many notches on their bedposts that they could possibly get, or as many names in their black books, etc., because they're like doing. Permanent uh, etching, etching permanent memories, creating totems out of all these women basically, and all these shared experiences with all of them, with all the variety thereof, etc. Now, while that is a negative aspect of that, it could be also be very positive. The positive wise is is like the SE user can always go to the SI user who had a shared experience together. It could be sexual or otherwise, it doesn't matter. And the SI user could always recall and remember those shared experiences. That way the SE user is like, oh, well I'm valued or they think highly of me because they remember that shared experience. And I made a really positive impact in that person. Why is this important? Mm -hmm. It's because they're trying to create loyalty in the SI user. You want to give a good experience to the SI user because the SI user will remember all the good things that you've ever done for them, and they'll also remember all the bad things that you've ever done to them. Uh, when, because each of those things is an etching on their soul, basically, and they remember all of them. And as long as all of the good ones outweigh the bad ones, et cetera, guess what? The SI user is going to stay loyal to you, right? That's how mm-hmm. it works. And SE users know that. That's why SI users are consistently trying to give other people a good experience. Not only that, they like to show off sometimes and be showy because they either value themselves or think there's some, sn- or, or um, or other people value them based on, you know, giving other people a good experience. That's how it is to be. That's what it means to be an SE user, essentially. Uh, so, so yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Aiden Wojciesz sent another message.
0: Awesome, thank you, Aiden. We we love you, Aiden. You could be a patron on the Patreon. Just saying.
1: <laughs> okay, he asked, "Do the four sides of the mind use different parts of the brain?" Physically?
0: Uh, We don't know yet. We're trying to recreate Dario (sighs) Nardi's experiments uh, so that we could actually do that. And I've been talking to a few neuroscientists to to go over what that would look like and, and whether or not we could actually test for that to try to get some concrete evidence to go about doing that. We're still in process with that and it's going to be a long time probably I'd say before we actually have anything to share with anyone, but it is something we're working on. Uh, I, and if you are a neuroscientist and you're watching or listening on the podcast, uh, by all means give me your contact information and let's have those discussions. Uh, that would be very meaningful and I think that would be a very big benefit to this audience as well as the science in general. Because any way, any opportunity that we have to get concrete answers so that people realize that Jungian analytical psychology is not pseudoscience or it's nothing more than astrology or horoscope, then, yeah, by all means, we could definitely do that. So, yeah, uh, so for sure. Um, but uh, I don't have anything concrete quite yet. So we'll find out, basically.
1: Okay. Um. Going on to the next Question We didn't have another super chat. No no no. Beautiful. Okay, that next question is
0: um Oh super chats popped up.
1: And two super chats. It feels weird not to transition into ESFP subconscious when with people. Transitioning back to ego repeatedly can be cumbersome advice,
0: should I transition? Uh, yes, you should transition under two uh, situations. One, if you're making people uncomfortable, definitely transition. Two, if you are lacking in mental energy and uh, and you feel drained, definitely transition back to your ego, gain that introverted energy back, the introversion mental energy back, and then go again. For example, we were actually at, uh, at the CSJ meetup in the Bay Area, on Wednesday and we had this INTP who showed up and just mid mid conversation, we had a bunch of people uh, at this table. Uh, there was about 10 people there and he just like, hey guys, I gotta go. And we're like, well, you're leaving? And he's like, no, 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 I'll be right back. I just need to go. Like, okay, sure. He gets up and he walks outside of the restaurant that we were at and he was just standing there. He had to introvert. He had to gain that mental energy. He just absolutely had to. And part of his you know, self-respect mode is that, hey, I need to have self-respect. I need to gain more energy. I need to spend time by myself now, basically. So he did and we respected for him and that's just what he needed and he did that. But so if you need that mental energy, by all means, go back in your ego. Otherwise, hang out in your ESFP. If you're giving people a good experience and a good time, why not stay there? You know what I'm saying? And, and besides, it's really endearing to have that ESFP, like your own inner John Cleese, right? Coming out, you know, from an INTJ standpoint, you're probably the most hilarious person any of these people have ever met, which means you're etching their souls, they're gonna permanently remember you, they're gonna consider you, you are going to be in their thoughts basically for potential opportunities that are gonna come out later, which may help you in business or relationships, or who knows, it's always good to have connections with fellow human beings, you know what I mean? So definitely go in that direction, right? So. Yeah, that's how I'd answer that.
1: All right, well, we got another super chat from Aidan Woissnier. Could a conversation formula be designed for anyone to talk with someone else and hit on all the necessary points to give the necessary information to type someone? Yes. As he they... said, I will join Patreon.
0: Yes, the answer, the answer is absolutely yes. And we're going to be creating infographics known as battle cards, conversational battle cards, for specific human interactions of different social situations that we will be making available to patrons uh, in the very near future, we're going to be starting that immediately following season 17's completion. After we after we talk about cognitive axes, because there is a formula that you can use through uh, typing people via cognitive axes to actually create like. Almost like a call script, like almost from a sales standpoint. And if you follow that script, you will be successful, basically, as long as you appear as authentic as possible. And it basically gives you all these battle cards for each of these social situations. You know, be that sales, education, uh, trying to get a date, etc., or maybe in a marriage or uh, parenting, etc. You'll have all these interactions available. These infographic uh, battle cards that you could just talk to these types. And as long as you're authentic, uh, they will respond positively to you and it will help. And, and, And they're gonna be coming in like a form of rules, rules that you have to follow for each type and each rule basically provides, you know, here's the do's and don'ts, et cetera. And, uh, but yes, you can actually formulate, uh, there is a formula, you can actually formulate conversations based on that formula through cognitive axes to be able to meet the cognitive needs of somebody in a conversation to optimize the results of that human interaction. So yes, that is coming. And uh, if you guys wanna get in on those infographics because they will not be released publicly, you gotta become a patron to be able to to get in on that so yes it's gonna be awesome
1: okay aiden moishness donated another two dollars and asks will my chap will my questions be cheaper if i join patreon
0: yeah yes (laughs) yes because (laughs) you end up getting priority uh so aiden when you join patreon and i think it's silver tier correct me if i'm wrong jab you get priority questions which means you could just keep asking questions in the priority Q&A channel that we have in Discord for patrons, and those questions get automatically moved to the top because you're a monthly subscriber, your questions are there, you just pay the monthly subscribe, subscription level for that tier in Patreon, and you can just go ahead and ask away, and then all of your questions are moved above other people in line, basically, uh, just by default, essentially. And that's what that, uh, so if you look on the screen right now, in the very center, you see that Patreon Q&A uh, uh, chat right there. That's where those questions are coming from. So when anyone asks questions in that window, we ask those questions, basically, because they get priority over the others. And that's that's how we're working it. So I, I think we, did I cover that right, Jeb?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've set a limit on it, but I'm sure if somebody decides to ask 10 questions in a row in the Patreon section, maybe we will set a limit per stream. But until that, I mean, shit, you've got free reign to spam questions in there, I think.
0: Yep. And also complain about the fact that my microphone is in front of the whiteboard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? All right, next question. Ah, and if you're looking at the Platinum Q&A section on the widget, bottom left corner, Harry, Arnie actually just said, have Aiden join me. I'm lonely.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how much time we got in the show so far, Jab? I can't see the timer for it for some reason.
1: Uh, about an hour and a half.
0: Hour and a half. Okay, let me know when we get to an hour and 45
1: on that. Beautiful. Um, okay, so Celestial. Ooh, one of my favorite ENTPs on the server.
0: Oh, so that's uh, cool. All right, let's yeah. hear it. For,
1: for people who have multiple personality disorder or borderline personality disorder, do all their personalities have to be in one of the four sides of their mind? Or can there be at least one other personality that has its own four sides of its mind?
0: Oh, that's a great question.
1: Uh, and, so... Sorry, 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 I didn't finish. And how would we go about typing someone in these instances would you type each type individually?
0: So how would you go about typing that that person? You still follow the type grid all the way through, but just remember if you're in cognitive transition, the results of the type grid will be what the the cognitive transition is, basically. The type grid, there's nothing, the type grid is 100% accurate, it's just, is the person a cognitive transition, or is the person being honest with themselves? That's really kind of the, the question. It really right. becomes an issue of human error, uh, not, the, not the type grid being an issue, basically. As we, saw it, um,
1: we saw it when we typed uh, John Cleese. Yeah, we saw like, that, that we one.
0: That was a really hard one. I'm really glad we did that episode, jab it, it, it was it was great because we were seeing a cognitive transition right there. And I know that you've been trying to come up with that for a while. So nice, uh, yeah. nice curveball there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: yeah, uh, must smoking weed, but he only he didn't even inhale properly. So that was a bust. yeah,
0: yeah, that was a bust. We we tried, but but we got it. We got it with the INTJ, not the INTP. So fair enough. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, to answer the rest of that question, uh, so I I heard a story one time about the KGB doing experiments on people, uh, psychological experiments on people in the 20th century, uh, where they were torturing people in an attempt to uh, produce a lot of trauma on various victims in order to uh, try to... Um, extract different personas or personalities uh, from people of up to like you know twelve different personalities in a person, etc. Uh, it's like some kind of uh, induced multiple personality disorder, etc. In their psychological study, um, I don't know if the story is even remotely true. I, I don't. I, I but I've heard it from different people over the last ten years. Uh, so it's it's got to be written down somewhere. Uh, I don't know if it's documented or if it's factual. I have no idea. But I'm just using that as an example. Why? Because when someone is fully cognitive transitioned in that side of the mind, they, it's kind of like for a few minutes, like that is appearing to be their ego. It's not their actual ego, but it's appearing to their ego. And the other sides of the mind behave like the, their other actual sides of the mind. They're, they're appearing as a subconscious or they're appearing as an unconscious. They're appearing as a superfluous ego, etc. cetera, uh, as a result. And obviously, you know, they have their own interaction styles. They have their own quadra. They have their own cognitive axes. They have their own, uh, their own temperaments, right? Uh, so yes, uh, you have to treat them each uh, on a case-by-case basis. Now, in terms of borderline personality, or not borderline personality disorder, but uh, multiple uh, personality disorder, et cetera, uh, in that specific disorder, uh, the transition is so hard it's so so hard that they, they become active basically uh, as their own egos it's like having multiple egos in the same brain basically and moving so quickly behind them and they're very solidified as egos etc instead of having the the secondary traits uh, or the tertiary traits of the subconscious versus the unconscious etc and that's kind of the difference now we don't have a lot of empirical evidence and we don't have a lot of um, um, a lot of information about how that works. There'd have to be a lot more research done, but that's the current understanding right now. So we'd have to spend a little bit more time verifying that. Uh, but uh, I don't I don't have the resources for that right now, but uh, that's definitely something that we consider, we, sh- we could consider for the future uh, when uh, we're, you know, more funded and have the ability to extend our research to find the concrete answers to these questions that we have, so. yeah that's how i would uh answer that question jab
1: all right well we got a super chat from alias sickness oh swedish krona and he or she i'm not sure of the gender if there ever is a type that you cannot help but despise no matter whom of said type you run into it's not that type it's you so this is more of a statement actually never mind
0: it's more of a statement, okay.
1: I'm not sure if he's making a statement to us or the audience, but whatever.
0: If there's ever a type that uh, you would despise the most, it would be you looking in the mirror, basically is what they're saying. That's their statement,
1: right? Um, if there's ever a type that you just cannot help but despise no matter of no matter whom of so no matter who you run into of a of said type, if you despise that type just for being that type, it's not that type of two. That's what this person's saying. It's just a statement.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd agree with that because every type is valuable. Every type is valid. Every type is very useful and is, mm-hmm. is absolutely necessary just because there's more of them or less of them uh, versus in others then, you know, then that's not a problem. And I get criticized consistently about my bad attitude towards NFPs or my bad attitude towards NFJs or my bad attitude towards basically every type. Right, and you know, everyone Everyone gets so butthurt and they think I'm singling them out or they make assumptions like where it's like, oh, C.S. Joseph obviously had a bad experience or oh, C.S. Joseph was, was obviously dating this person and this type of person and had a bad experience. So he's jaded now no, that's not what it's about actually. Like I I really, I could care less and you don't know anything about me. So like, don't be jumping to conclusions like that. Like seriously, that's very disrespectful and not accurate. (laughs) Instead realize that, you know, for some reason in the MBTI or Jungian analytical psychology blogosphere, everyone is full of unicorns and rainbows and and, and candy just falls out of their rears and no one did anything wrong. where, and no one's even talking about the flaws and it's and if they are, they're like really vague and it's really frustrating. I'm not down for that. I'm not here to waste your time. I'm not here to waste my time. I'm not here to give anyone a good experience. I'm not here to make people comfortable. I'm here to tell the truth. Yes, thank you, Jeff. Yes, very true. Rant complete.
1: You get real talk here. None of that horoscope script shit you get on. Uh... <laughs> well, let's not name names. Let's not name, let's not names. name names. Let's not name names. <laughs> yep,
0: yep. Drop, drop uh, all the mics. I'm gonna drop the pen. Okay. Uh, hopefully that that helps. Uh, I'm not gonna drop that mic. <laughs> all
1: right. Aiden Wojciesz asked another $10 question. Typing a kid is a challenge. Is there a more reliable way to type them? And do kids grow through different sides of their mind as they age, eventually reaching their ego?
0: Ask that again. Trying to get my head around it.
1: So typing kids is a challenge. Is there a more reliable way to type them? Do kids grow through different sizes of their minds as they age and then eventually reach their ego?
0: Yes. Yes. That's basically how it works. You start off in your quadra. So when I was born, I was in the SFJ NTP quadra. I was basically ISFJ uh, and then my sister was born and she was an ESFJ and I went NTP mode. I was an ENTP and then trauma started happening to my life to me uh, personally as a little boy. And then I went into my INTJ shadow to try to cope with that. And uh, I was in my INTJ shadow throughout my adolescence. And then when I came out of INTJ shadow, when the source of the trauma was gone and away from me, I became an ENTP, went back into my ego, basically. Uh, That's the entire process uh, for that. Uh, Now, if people don't have that trauma, they they could change in that quadra before they hit adolescence. Just when they hit adolescence, whichever side they are in at that time within their quadra, that becomes their ego, basically. I lost out, due to trauma in my life, the opportunity to explore the rest of my quadra. Uh, I could have been an ESFJ, I could have been an INTP, but I never got the opportunity to do so. That was stolen from me, those opportunities were stolen from me because of um, the trauma in my life, and many children across the world all have that issue. So, So it's just something for us to be aware of, and we'll be covering that more in season
1: 17. Perfect. Asian boy Schneese gave another two dollars and said, "I am the thirtieth patron." Awesome! Congrats! Congrats patron bro. number
0: thirty. Thank you, Aiden. Nice. We're we're hopefully going to have a uh, like a like a little overlay thing that says you know who's the new patron, etc., or who is the new subscriber and whatnot. We're definitely going to be uh, uh, upgrading here as we're attempting to be more professional. So as much as we Absolutely. can. Absolutely
1: um okay next question that just popped into my mind how and why is it that people with fi critic end up feeling worthless but people with ti critic end up they are most logical
0: uh well fi critic they just they they're very critical towards their own sense of self-worth whereas a ti critic is very critical towards their sense of intelligence their sense of what they know basically and that's why they force themselves to verify everything from a ti standpoint with logic from an FI standpoint, uh, people are uh, forcing themselves to be good, and they're like overdoing the good, basically, and they're not even able to live up to their own standard of what they interpret is good, essentially, which makes them hypocrites. Well, same thing happens with TI critic as well. They they hold themselves to such a high standard of of thinking that they sometimes can't even hold, they can't even uh, reach. That themselves, basically, in terms of their own accuracy, right? Because they have conflicting beliefs, or their beliefs, or their belief systems may get in the way, right? So that's it's a different uh, comparison between like TE parents and, and TI uh, critic, right? So
1: beautiful. Um, sorry. do. do, do, do. Okay. Well, we're getting pretty good so far. We're about a minute hour and forty in, but still got plenty of time. Yep. Are going to be doing a series on parenting anytime soon? And if so, will you be talking about how certain types will parent their children and how their children can optimize their behavior in order to achieve the best possible result? Or will it be how parents should raise their children using the 16 personalities type?
0: Uh, That's two separate series. We'll be doing both. That's two separate series. Uh, 32 uh, lectures total between two separate series. Yes.
1: Ooh. Hi, Chase. I'm an INTP female, 18-year-old, who's struggling to know what to do in university. I'm thinking of doing medicine, but my parents are pushing me to do law. I don't mind doing law, except that's not where I'm naturally skilled. What job is best suited for INTPs? Any tips and advice? Thank you for your time.
0: Between medicine and law, medicine is definitely a better approach, especially because it will help you engage your FE inferior to care and help for other people, and it will help you grow your ESFJ subconscious, whereas law, not so much. Law is more of an extroverted thinking Uh, approach, uh, very rules oriented. It's not something I would recommend for an INTP when compared to medicine. My recommendation definitely go in the medicine direction. Especially like, I have INTPs in my life who are very, very good at, uh, like they're microbiologists, uh, they're amazing scientists. Uh, they know the human body and how things work intrinsically and extrinsically with the human body. And they're able to solve complex ha- uh, health problems like that. And that genius of TI hero is available right there. Their SI child remembers all the things, everything they've researched to be able to see the patterns uh, in terms of how things go. And they've been able to make intuitive discoveries themselves as well as extend the lives of fellow human beings with, with, for, which has been very rewarding for them. And you, as an INTP, would also be rewarded in that way. So if you were going to have to make the choice between the two, definitely go into medicine, for sure. I wish I uh, had the money to afford that myself, to be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because you'd be paying for me to go. <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> um, okay, hi. Alan here. I'm a 23-year-old INTP. I live alone, I feel I don't deserve love to make myself feel like garbage. I only have two friends who struggle to get me out and are always making an effort, but now I feel I'm hopeless. I work and I play a lot of video games. I can't seem to find myself pretending to be something I'm not. My SE trickster is at the the top, by the way. My TI hero is the reason I can't find somebody whom I like spending my time. But in the end, I feel like there is something wrong and broken inside of me. What would my fellow INTPs advise me to do?
0: Well, I'm not an INTP, so I couldn't technically answer that question. But I'm going to answer that question anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, if you don't have a job, get a job. If you don't have your own place, get your own place. If you don't have your own transportation... Okay, well, very good. At least he's got his own place. Uh, Yeah. Have self-respect. Have self-respect. Watch season four, season six, and season 13 on this YouTube channel. And by the way, the final episode of season 13 is Around the Corner. Uh, What is the mature feminine? uh, And that uh, final archetype for the mature feminine is uh, Around the Corner. Uh, But uh, watch those uh, three uh, lecture series. And then also read Norm, Mr. Nice Guy, and read 12 Rules for Life, which was written by an INTP. Like, seriously. Yes, I'm saying Jordan Peterson is an INTP. Yes, he is. Like, that's not up for debate. Thank you very much. (laughs) Like, come on. Uh, You know, it's like, do I need to do a how-to-type episode on Jordan Peterson to, like, prove it to y'all that he is an INTP? He's an INTP. Like, seriously. Come on. Uh, Anyway... uh, So read those books, do that, and then do what they say. Make it your duty to do so. Otherwise, you're just gonna get stuck in your comfort zone, you know, and uh, uh, you shouldn't be stuck in your comfort zone. You're basically like debauched, quite frankly, playing all those video games and doing nothing, but that's debauchery, stop doing it. Just because you're not drinking alcohol doesn't mean it's not debauchery, it's debauchery. It's not healthy for you. I don't recommend it, don't do it. So please watch those uh, playlists on the YouTube channel, read those two books, and you're off to a good start for some positive change in your life. And maybe you could actually help your fellow man do the same, for
1: sure. <clears throat> okay, next question comes from Jane Aru. And I'm assuming that's a she, Is in Jane, female name. A message to the Lord Coin Operator, Japper. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: okay, this is all you, in the
1: sh- This is all in you, man. Whereabouts in Australia are you from? And would you do a meetup? I am currently in Melbourne, but I may be moving up north to uh, Shepparton, and I doubt anyone's going to want to do a meetup in the sticks. So, if I were to do a meetup in the future, it would have to be either really recently, which probably I can't be bothered organizing in time, or I'd have to train it down back to Melbourne sometime in the future. So, I'd have to figure out who the hell wanted to come. I mean, show of hands, who's interested in coming to a Melbourne meetup for CSJ?
0: Never, never not. I'm going to be in Orlando the final two weeks of January during weekdays, so we could do something there, too, while we're at it.
1: I mean, we could video call Chase, and he can be there in spirit. Uh, Is that something you're going to do? Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. So we could do it with Chase.
0: Yeah, just um, make me show up on the Zoom, you know? Just, like, throw me on a laptop. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hello, Kevin Ash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Case from C.S. Joseph here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. All right. Next question. Do you think it's possible to integrate strong correlated big five scales with Jungian MBTI scales? Published uh... research exists on PubMed. I know your opinion about the nature nurture side. I've seen about 75% of your videos, but I can't ignore big five because of factor analysis. Also, it makes use of language that is more accessible to people that aren't familiar with Jungian terminology. Terminology.
0: I mean, quite frankly, uh, the big five would just be a gateway drug into the deeper Jungian approach. And that's how I would classify it. It's just a gateway drug. And as much as like a neogram would be as well, but I don't spend as much time on a neogram or big five as a result. I mean, they are tools that people do find useful in as much as people find the disk system useful, which the disk system is just interaction styles, quite frankly. Uh, but sure, you know, otherwise, that it's all it is, it's just a it's just a gateway drug to get into Jungian analytical psychology, quite frankly, and that's kind of how I treat it. So
1: Oh, well, we've got one person who's in Bendigo who said they'd be happy to help organize meet up. So Yeah, I mean, if you're in Melbourne, just hit me up with a DM on the Discord, PM me or something, and I'll see what I can organize.
0: Awesome. How much time have we got into the show so far, Jeb?
1: Oh, we just hit uh, hour and 46.
0: All right, cool. Let's take a couple more questions. Uh, I have uh, another question that was submitted to me um, that I would like to get to, uh, but I'll save that question for last. Uh, So, by all means.
1: All right. Um, do INFPs have some kind of predisposition to have this (laughs) depression? (laughs) Out of the seven INFPs I know, five of them, me included, have had some degree of depression at some point in their life. And to be fair, I am not that close to the other two, so they could also have it.
0: Uh, I maintain depression is not so much a human nature thing as much as it is a human nurture thing. Uh, like for example, people get people of all types get depressed. They just get depressed for different reasons, but it's usually due to external factors and not internal factors. And those external factors could, like you know, possibly include the fact that our currency continues to being being devalued back when like only one adult had to work for a household now we have a requirement like two and a half adults to work uh to be able to pay for a household nowadays because everything is so expensive cue up that guy that keeps that used to run for president screaming out the rent is too damn high (laughs) like the rent is too damn high yeah it's just like come on man Uh, okay but but yeah it's it's not it's not it's not human nature only. Depression affects everybody, it just affects everybody in different ways. Like so being that depression affects people, what their type is, how type comes into it, how human nature plays into it, it's just the depression uh, results has different results and they, they they approach depression differently. That's all it is, basically. Otherwise, there's no one type that's more predisposed to depression than the others. However, given that society so there are some natures that are more common than others. Uh, based on that, you could, call, you could say that because some of the rare types, especially the introverted intuitive types, like INFPs, INTPs, INFJs, INTJs, or at least the rare, the rarest of the types, uh, would be considered, uh, you know, more depressed than the others, specifically because they are a minority, you could make that argument as well. Uh, but we don't have any specific statistics or data to back that up at this time. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll table that question for uh, the concrete answers that we're trying to seek as a community to get that figured out as the data becomes available to us as we move forward. So, right. so yeah, definitely.
1: Oh, by the way, the question you said you will wait until last. Is that Periani's in the Platinum Q&A, or do you want me to ask that? No, let's ask that right now. All right. Periani asks, any role models for ESFPs off the top of your head? And by role models, I mean developing ESFPs part of their mind, parts of their mind. So uh,
0: role models, uh, I would say uh, it depends on what you want to do as an ESFP. Uh, if you uh, if you're gonna do something athletic, get an athletic role model, specifically like an SJ-related athletic role model or get a fellow ESFP or a, or a fellow SFP, like an ISFP as well and be force yourself to be around them even if you don't like them, even if you think they're better than you or may, or you're better than them, but you can still learn something of value from them. Uh, but yeah, uh, just depending on which area that you're looking to do some personal growth in, uh, find an SJ, an SJ who is as subconscious developed as you are basically, because you know, Periani, ESFP, very well developed, INTJ subconscious. If you're gonna hang out with an ESTJ, you'd wanna make sure to their INFP subconscious is very developed. But then they start teaching you philosophy at that point, and maybe that's not your goal. So you want to go for something that would fit your goal. Uh, Potentially an ISFJ uh, who's really well developed with their ENTP subconscious, and then you can have those intellectual discussions with them and grow intellectually. Sure, very you know, but it just really depends what application you're going for, what direction you want to take it, and then as a result of that, uh, are they are they as conscious as they are? Are they as developed as you are mentally, or even more so? Uh, preferably go for the more so, and then if you really want to increase the amount of conflict for the sake of better results. Go look at fellow SFPs, maybe even STPs to a point, uh, for sure, in that direction. That would be my, my my basic recommendation as to how to answer
1: that question, for sure. Okay, so perfect. Um, woo. Do we have any other, no, any super chat? Oh, Aiden Woisnitz, we almost missed this one. Okay, last cue. You're building an app. What is it for?
0: So uh, I talk about that uh, in my uh, patron uh, thank you uh, lecture. I did a a video uh, for Patreon. After you become a patron, uh, you get to watch a thank you lecture that actually says how we're going to accomplish our vision of destroying fatherlessness and optimizing all human (laughs) interactions, etc. And in this thank you video, I talk about uh, various technologies that the CSJ community and this company is going to be developing to actually help make that happen, including various mobile applications. Uh, So um, I recommend watching that thank you vid because that explains those things. But uh, we're gonna be doing apps uh, that help people type themselves and others. Uh, We're gonna be doing some things with dating, uh, education, uh, parenting, as well as sales, uh, HR things with like recruiting as well. Uh, as well, and medical. We're going to be uh, making uh, huge uh, technological advancements using Jungian analytical psychology to optimize the human, inter- human interactions people have in all of these sectors uh, within human life, basically, to give people a better, higher quality uh, of life, essentially. So, so yeah, that's what we're going to be doing, Jab. But, like, you knew that already.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, next question comes from an INFJ cultist. I understand many people love animals, but there is a function but is there a function that can draw a person's attraction to animals to a higher degree?
0: Well, what? I mean I mean FE users around animals are like, Oh, it's so cute. I wanna save the animals and most veterinarians are are FE users, quite frankly. But uh you know, people can make the argument that's FE. I can make the argument it's FI as well. I mean, I remember this guy. His name is Vince Draken, and he's a veterinarian in real life. And he's an FI inferior because he's an ESTJ, and he likes to be. Uh, he likes uh, saving camels in in the UAE for some reason. But uh, you know, it. it it really comes down to you know them establishing that emotional connection. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do necessarily as much with um, you know perceiving functions as much as it has to do with decision making functions when it comes to animals. Because you always get that FE user "aw" when it, when it comes to like you know uh, being in the presence of animals and whatnot. But it, it just it just really depends. Uh, I think that's more of a nurtural, uh related answer than a nature uh, related answer, quite frankly.
1: Okay, next question. As Joseph said in his video, how do ESFPs compare to ENFPs? I sometimes be an ESFP and gather back to the ENFP. Hence, was checked that someone. What? Oh, hold on, bear with me. This is, this okay. is a mouthful. A mouthful. As. Joseph said in his video, how do ESFPs compare to ENFPs, I sometimes be an ESFP and gather back to be ENFP. Hence was checked that someone use black magic, curse. You can find it on YouTube. People was talking about it very much to me, so sometimes I cannot know my type. So, I think what this person is saying is that somebody's using black magic on him, so he can't determine his type.
0: I am not an expert in uh, the occult or voodoo, so I am not qualified to answer that question at this time. (laughs) Okay. So, how much time we got left, Jab, for the two hour mark?
1: Uh, About another five and a half minutes.
0: All right. Uh, Let's do one more question, then we're going to do the final question. How about
1: that? All right. Are you still planning to do video about INFJ plus ENTP? You promised it four months ago to YouTuber, Francesca C. Yes,
0: I will be uh, making that lecture. It is coming. And all the lectures that I've promised, they're all in the schedule. They are coming. Patience, please. Uh, Yes, I will be doing INFJ plus ENTP. It will be a very interesting uh, relationship video when the time comes. I'm very much looking forward to it. But before that, we got to get past Season 14, which is uh, the highest compatibility type comparisons, which uh, will be very uh, romantically involved, uh, we'll say, uh, with
1: Season oh 13. Oh, my. Oh,
0: my. I will be wearing my George decay ma- mask while I, am, while I am doing it. So uh, we'll see how that goes. All <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, cool. I, my, my, uh, my nose is itching like crazy right now, um, so gosh. Fair oh. enough, dude. All right, so uh, are we ready for the final question? So, okay, we're going to do the final question now. How do you feel technological advancements in artificial intelligence will change or enhance cognitive functions and our interaction with them in the next 20 years or so? Very fun question. I wanted to save it for last. Uh, so, uh, have you ever played the game Halo? Uh, so, uh, I, I played Halo a lot. I played Halo on uh, on the Xbox. Like that's what everyone does. They play it on Xbox. Uh, although I did play it on PC for a while, and. Uh, I have this problem where, you know, cause I'm left-handed, right? But I, I play with the controller and I like to have my controller inverted, right? So I'm playing inverted, which means, you know, you pull the joystick down and you got the gun and you're looking up basically, or, you know, or if standard is like, you just press up and then you're looking up, right? Whereas, or if it's the other way, you just press up and then you're looking down, you know, from an inverted standpoint. And then over time, I actually could train my mind to be okay with me switching between the two of them, between standard and inverted. I would just use self-discipline and force myself to do the inversion or non-inversion when I'm playing uh, Halo on the Xbox. Why is this relevant to answering this question? Because it has to do with the frames per second of the cognitive functions. So season one, I did an episode called the eight uh, cognitive spectra. And uh, frames per second is very important You can downshift, and I'm gonna be doing a lecture series on this or on cognitive functions. You can downshift and upshift cognitive functions depending on your cognitive transitions, uh, whereas you could get a higher function to potentially behave as a lower function as a form of emulation. It's a different kind of emulation that I talked about. Instead of using some functions together to produce an emulated form of another function, you can actually downshift through emulation, one of your functions into a weaker version of itself to kind of pretend to be like, you know, a hero pretending to be a critic, basically. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Well, technological advancements, let's talk about like some cyberpunk here, like from a cybernetic standpoint, uh, uh, more closer to the transhumanist uh, singularity approach. When singularity comes, uh, I absolutely maintain that by then, Uh, This technology will be well developed that we can understand specifically where the cognitive functions exist within the central nervous system and the human brain, such that we could use cybernetic enhancements to be able to increase the frames per second or the awareness of any of our cognitive functions, potentially. I don't know how that would work and I'm not entirely sure how, if that would like induce psychosis or uh, some other horrible mental approaches. Uh, but I mean, if our consciousness is, is literally a machine at that point, because it may necessarily be code, then sure, okay, that's different. But then again, I'm not entirely sure I would wanna live my life as a piece of code either, because like if you watch that show on Netflix known as Altered Carbon, and like if you have Netflix and you haven't watched that show Altered Carbon, like what are you doing with your life? Maybe like everyone should watch Altered Carbon. It's a dope show because it's this this whole premise in uh, Altered Carbon where if someone dies, their consciousness is stored in like this little hard drive thing called a stack and they can just be put into a new body, rebooted, and then they're back in that new body again. And effectively humankind is immortal. However, if you're natural born and you don't have a stack yet, they kind of have to kill you to put your consciousness in that stack so you could be reborn over and over and over and over again. The problem is is that they, the, the, the neo-Catholics of the story can make the argument, basically. They can make the argument that, uh, you know, well, when you die for the very first time before your consciousness is moved into the stack, basically, that essentially means you're dead. And that what, the, what, what uh, consciousness lives in the stack is actually a machine, but not a real person. They just happen to be in a human body behaving and acting the same way as you. So is that actually real? Right? Is that is that actually a real soul? Is that actually a real person? Did they not just die the first time? You can even make the same argument from a uh, cyberpunk uh, video game known as Eve Online, where you're actually transferring consciousness, uh, your consciousness between different clones, etc., within the con- within the context of this game. So, from an AI standpoint. Where does that fit in? You know, so technological advancements, sure, yeah, we'll be able to cybernetically enhance our brains if we know where the cognitive functions and the different sides of our mind and all of our cognition as a whole is within our central nervous system and our brains. Absolutely, we'll be able to do some enhancement and 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 have some mental enhancement. But what about artificial intelligence? I maintain that what we're doing right now with depth psychology and uh, studying the science and moving the science forward together as the CSJ community, that we're actually finally giving AI programmers what they need to actually create actual intelligence, actual uh, standalone sentient artificial intelligence, because right now people that are coding artificial intelligence are not coding with cognitive functions in mind. It's really frustrating, right? Instead, they like to do this linear or multilinear programming, and they're trying to program feelings when instead they don't understand cognitive access, they don't understand cognitive spectra, they don't understand frames per second, and how it changes how a person feels, or how they think, or how they make decisions, or what makes them happy, etc. those kinds of things. If those people who are trying to create sentient AI would program based on utilizing the human mind or the human soul as a model, basically, when they're you know doing an artificial intelligence approach, they might be more successful, right? But of course, I don't want them to be because I'm not a transhumanist. I'm, I'm not really pro-mankind becoming immortal one day if because of the demon function. If we solve the problem of the demon function, sure, okay, yeah, be immortal. I'm cool with that. But until the demon function situation is solved, not necessarily an issue because if I'm trying to reach immortality, you know, reach you know up to you know the highest heights of heaven, well, then my roots are definitely going down to the depths of hell at that point. Not exactly ideal. If you haven't watched season 16, episode 8 yet, and you're a member of this audience, like, what are you doing? Go watch that episode because I explain this more in detail. The presence of the demon function is definitely not something that I want to live with if there's a situation where we have artificial intelligence and because we have artificial intelligence and sentient artificial intelligence, the next level above that is literally immortality via technology, which is the number one product of singularity as the transhumanist movement would say. So what does all of this mean? It means that as a result of us developing the science, we are giving mankind the tools to finish sentient AI. And then once Mankind finishes sentient AI because of the knowledge gained of how to create sentient AI and accurate sentient AI. Then we've just given mankind the tools, everything that they need to complete immortality via technology for mankind. And quite frankly, based on the law of accelerated returns, according to Ray Kurzweil, who did write, uh, who is the leader of the transhumanist movement and did write Singularity, I maintain, yeah, there's a very good chance that our race will actually be able to obtain that this century, this century. And it's all as a result of these technological advancements that we are going to be making as this community potentially and moving forward, Jungian analytical psychology and making it a regular part of life in as much as developing it as a technology. And yes, the cybernetic enhancements will come. Potentially our hero function will become even greater. Who knows? Who knows if that'll lead to psychosis? I mean, like that anime psychopath. You know what I'm saying? Like who knows what's going to happen? We just don't know. It's a huge unknown world. It's that brave new world. And it's something that we have to be careful because we're literally playing with fire. I talk about this in the Demon Function episode. Knowledge needs to have proper containment. If it's not contained properly, nuclear power or nuclear energy is literally turned into nuclear weapons. You see what I'm saying? Very explosive, mass murder. Is that something that we want to have on our conscience? Is that something that we want to do as a race? Not necessarily, right? No, we don't, right? That's bad. Don't do that. So, what do we do? It's just it it, it is it's important to understand that as we develop the science that we recognize that we ourselves have a responsibility to our race, to our species, basically, to make sure that we have proper containment, to make things that things are tested appropriately so that we do not create these, you know, huge technological faux pas that ends up costing, you know, millions and potentially billions of lives down the road. because knowledge that is uncontained can literally do that and that's something that we need to avoid as a species and as a race etc so that's how i would answer that question technological advancements and ai uh, definitely could impact the uh, cognitive functions i i fully expect them to And while I'm developing the science and developing these technologies, and I know for a fact that they could be going in that direction, I also maintain it's 100% inevitable. It's inevitable, this will happen. Someone would have come up with the same ideas because of expert intuition, because of the collective unconscious, someone would have came up with the same ideas that I have and have been able to develop those technologies on their own, just fine. And then it would have brought that sentient AI, which would have brought immortality via technology to our race, and it would have happened regardless. So it's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna do it myself because hopefully I could be that guiding hand to get mankind thinking about these technologies and using them more responsibly instead of irresponsibly. I don't want to find myself one day being like Mr. Oppenheimer giving a speech, I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. Whereas at that point, it's like, I've become death, the destroyer of freedom. Mm
1: -hmm. Why?
0: Because if whoever controls that immortality technology as many of these people in this audience have fear of death, right? Well, guess what? They literally rule the world and the world becomes a slave world at that point. There is no freedom. With death, there's freedom because as Charlie Chaplin put it in his speech, the great dictator, so long as men die, the people will always be free. When men die, the, the power is returned back to the people. That's why people will always be free in the end because men die. But if you take away a man's ability to die well, that freedom ain't gonna go anywhere. That's a problem. And that's one of the main risks of immortality via technology, the main risk of sentient AI, the main risk of further developing Jungian analytical psychology and developing these technologies because that is where it's eventually, inevitably going to lead, basically. So that's how I'd answer that question. So how you doing, Jeb? It's a nice, uh, nice way to very end good. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's past two hours now. So, uh, awesome. Hashtag two hour stream.
0: Two hour stream again uh, with an itchy nose, uh, flickering lights because it's a rainstorm outside. Uh, hopefully, we'll get that figured out. And uh, awesome. Uh, are, are we good to go, Jab? Are we, are we good?
1: Yeah. Let's do one last check to see if there's any more platinum questions. Um
0: q platinum q a yeah looks like we're good all right awesome thank you all for coming to our q a session uh hopefully uh we'll get the other overlays figured out and uh thank you for those of you who have signed up on our patron patreon during the show it's great to have you on board uh we got more content coming out for you and uh Just keep it coming, and we'll keep it coming. And uh, thank you for being such a fantastic audience and uh, being committed to help us as a community change the world for the better and bring a better tomorrow. Uh, With that being said, uh, we'll see you guys on our next stream uh, Tuesday night uh, about uh, 9 Eastern for our How to Type episode. Uh, And so, yeah, uh, we'll see you then. Uh, Have a good night.
1: See you, lads and ladies.